0: well welcome to episode 10 of the aussie church leaders podcast chris we made it we We made it to 10 we made it to 10 my name's riley uh we're super excited to have you here on the aussie church leaders podcast where we hope uh we can help you grow stronger for longer in your ministry context that's all our aussie church leaders out there chris uh, it's a good day. It's a good day to be celebrating. It is a great day. What are we celebrating? Well, I'm actually more excited about whale season, Chris. <laughs> okay. It's popping up soon. My mum has a little... um birthday certificate we got a little Groupon voucher for Ooh. it to go out and catch some whales Gee, that's but that's a fancy one I'm more excited because in whale season mm. uh, there's a particular whale I've I've actually got before I talk about whales more there's three animals I really want to see in my life okay at some stage this is like a bucket list of animals yeah 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 one is a platypus I've never seen a platypus in never, the wild before. Uh, oh in the no, wild no, no, yeah, okay I'm, sorry not just in Australia Zoo or anything like that okay uh, but in the wild I've never yep. seen a wild platypus All right. before yep but I heard they're quite dangerous they got a little um, they do a have a little, little spur you gotta watch them. Yeah. Uh, platypus. Never seen a platypus before. Never seen a dugong. Ooh. Which apparently are local to our area. Just yes, they here are. The yeah, yeah. yeah. The, um, if you go the Baby out, brown. Yeah, the baby it. brown. The the yes, River. I think
1: they're over at uh, what's that island just off from Redcliffe as well? New Zealand. New Zealand. Yes, New Zealand. New Zealand. New Zealand. yes Zealand. that's the one. They're right around New Zealand. Just uh, around there. No, Morton. Uh, Morton. 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 Yes, Morton. I've actually
0: seen one at Morton. You've. <laughs> yes. I so have. I've also been to Morton. Never seen one. I saw a logfish in Morton. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, literally just a log, Chris. Um, I was told by the captain on the ship. Okay. He was trying to point me to a dugong and said, no, I've mistaken it for a logfish. But it's whale season and Migaloo's out. What's Migaloo? Migaloo. Migaloo, Chris. The white the white albino humpback whale. Is that off Moby Dick? Super rare. No. Okay. This is legit. This is no oh, legend okay. or myth. Right, this is the albino been... whale. Yeah. yeah, right. This is why I get so excited for this time of the year. It's third quarter of the year. Yeah. Uh, and Migaloo's out in action heading
1: up heading up uh, north. So. so you're hoping that when you take your mum out on your whale-watching trip that mm-hmm. you'll mm-hmm. be able to see Migaloo? Hoping. I'm praying about it, because' there's yeah. oh, wow. a community of people around it too. Well, so. hopefully our listeners can pray. Well, that's that's why, why
0: I'm throwing it out there. So mm. it's good. It's so good. If, you,
1: if you listen to this show and you love uh, you love prayer, maybe consider surrounding Riley and his mum's whale-watching expedition if in some prayer. If you see
0: Migaloo anywhere, please let us know. Comment. <laughs> Get on here. I need to find him and knock him off my list. Yeah, Um,
1: film it on Instagram and tag
0: us in it so that we can see Migaloo. That's what we need to know. But there has been exciting stuff happening. And Mm. you've just come back from Europe, mate. I have, yeah. I've Mm. been having a bit of a holiday. Yeah, I can tell. You're still on holidays. You're wearing your slippers today. I am wearing slippers. Should we talk about those a little bit more? I think we should. (laughs) What colour are they, Chris? Just to describe (gasps) it to... Oh, they're pink. They're pink. They're fluffy. They're fluffy. You're not even going to say salmon... All no, I'm just, I'm just gonna own it. I'm
1: just gonna own it because they're not even mine. They're no. <laughs> <laughs> my, wife. my wife's.
0: <laughs> well, we got to be comfy, Moody. And I,
1: yeah, look, my, my slippers got old, and if people are married, they know how it is. Sharing um, sharing is caring. Yep. Um, the two become one. Mm-hmm. And That's what I've heard, there was a pair of pink slippers around, and I thought, well. My feet are a little bit cold. Need a little bit of warming up. Just slide them inside the slips. And, yeah, benefits yeah. and of yeah. marriage. I've been wearing them for like the last <laughs> ever since I got home from you. <laughs> no, yeah, I
0: know because the only times I've seen you outside of church on Sunday, you've been wearing those slippers. So <laughs> yes. I'm starting to think that yeah, yeah, know, I just kind of live in them. Yeah, now that's impressive, mate. We've got a we've got a pretty exciting podcast today. outside yeah, we do. Episodes in. Um, do you want to give a little bit of an intro as to what we're exploring today?
1: Yeah, well, we're talking about this word, and it's a it's a word that. Maybe our listeners, I'm sure, have heard before, uh, but we kind of want to deep dive into it a little bit today. And what we're, So, what we're talking about is this thing called resilience. Mm. Uh, and I've got a little definition because I think we can kind of have... A, a, yes, and
0: Where are we going to? Oxford? Oxford Dictionary here? Well,
1: or? I, actually, I actually got this definition off, um, off a guy called Clay Scroggins. So oh, nice. leaders on the podcast, um, I, yeah, out. we've talked about Clay Scroggins before and Clay Scroggins, he, he, um, talked about resilience <laughs> and he just said it this way. I really liked it because it was really sticky. Um, it's the ability to bounce back from a setback. So perhaps uh, you had a relationship breakup, mm. or you know you applied for uh, for a job and you got knocked back from the job, or you're applying for for a home loan, you got knocked back from the home loan, or perhaps yep. um, in church context, you know you were running an event and you thought you marketed it really well, and mm. then um, you, you wanted a whole lot of uh, youth to attend or, or families to attend, and it just didn't go off the way that you thought it would. Yeah, it's the ability to bounce back from that and not let um, not let our perceived failures or the things that mm. like we we really really wanted that we didn't get kind of get us down, um, get us under the weather. and Which is just huge in leadership
0: as well, isn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. Because one of the biggest challenges and what we have to acknowledge uh, when we step into leadership is we're not stepping into an easy task. And leadership rarely goes smoothly. Um, There are always going to be things that you have to uh, manage on the fly and address on the fly. And so resiliency is just huge um, for leaders to develop and also help their team develop as well. Mm -hmm. So I guess looking at...
0: Across the leadership, yes, but also how we go about, you know, approaching resilience, growing re- resilience as well. You've already mentioned some ways we can have setbacks. I think even, you know, communication from the front of a Sunday, if you're a yeah. Aussie church leader. Jumping up the front to, yep. to do a message or something like that—that's at times because it's always a way of kind of you know measuring yourself and this pressure and expectation. We can yeah, and you forget. Maybe too. you
1: forget what you're about, what you were going to say, or you didn't get your slides in order, or you just had like a mental blank, and mm. um, or you thought you had this fantastic joke and then you said it and it didn't come. It just fell flat. Yep. Never, um, never happens. though. No. it happens to me all it the time. To- <laughs> um, but it's the ability to bounce back from that and uh, take it in your stride. Yeah, it's
0: true. So looking at looking at our culture then, when yeah. it comes to resilience, because I would love to say I'm resilient as a um 22 year old millennial. Yes, um, sure. I don't well, know if I can say that. And looking at our culture as well, and, and kind of the millennial culture in itself. Well,
1: yeah, there's some some alarming statistics when we kind of look at um, Australia as a whole. Um, that 83.2 percent, very specific, but say 83 percent of students at university or TAFE, I mm. uh, said they felt stressed. Yeah, 79% said they felt anxious, Um, 66% and this is self-reported, reported um, reported high or very high psychological distress Mm. and uh, just over 50% have trouble sleeping. So uh, resilience has a lot to do and plays into um, mental health as well, but also like kind of how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about the world around us. And if we we take those kind of statistics as a a little bit of a thermometer um, for particularly Gen Zers and millennials on the back end of that millennial side, what what we would say if if we look at them is uh, we're not really a resilient kind of culture. and mm. um, we, we really do struggle with stress and feeling anxious and, and uh even to the point that it's disrupting our sleep for, for one in two people. Mm. Um so yeah we're not we're not super resilient. Which is odd to think too, because even when I think of my grandparents,
0: mm. and, you know, back in the days and all these stories I hear from my yeah. pop too, it just seems like a time when when things were just done. I've never heard the word anxiety uh, come into play no. I know when we look at 1920s across history the Great Depression and all the rest but, yeah. but just this alarming like the alarming amount of times I've heard anxiety even within working with young adults within yep. church context yep. too, within school context high school and primary school now yeah that, that word scary. comes
1: up a lot and the other word I hear a lot is overwhelmed mm. um, if I was going to characterize like particularly young adults the word that I hear all the time is um, overwhelmed and since there's the builders, the boomers Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z, and and you were talking about um, your grandparents, um, mm. who who live? Did they, were they are they builders?
0: They um, well, what would they be? Yes, they,
1: they were would builders. Be builders. Yeah, yep. and so my grandparents were build, uh, are builders too. They're from that generation. And this is the generation that lived through the Great Depression. Mm. And mm. I, I remember my granddad telling me stories. Uh, well, he still tells me stories, but about how uh, they would often just have fat sandwiches for lunch. You know, the leftover mm. drippings from like from meat that that, that was how poor That'd they be were go-to. yeah that was how poor they were they just get two pieces of bread put the dripping over the mm-hmm. top of it and go to lunch but the, the thing was when they looked out at the world um they didn't have social media yeah. but also everyone else that they would have been interacting with was also going through that great depression mm. so it was just one of those things that you just got on with yeah and there wasn't no one was kind of envious and no one was looking at other people because that was just the reality of the world at that time yeah well, that's oh. crazy because even like talking to my dad when i asked my dad i'm like well, how do you make
0: sense of you know all these young hmm. people on their screens with the social networking media yep. all the rest that they can turn to and he said well back in the days where i was like you know you'd have to pick up your bike and literally ride it down to someone's house or ride it down to the local park mm-hmm. to catch mm-hmm. up with someone yeah like it was either that or you're jumping on like your telephone still attached to the wall yep. which yep. i remember those days too back in my days Chris. i do you Yeah, but the ones where you fully pull it oh through the full dial it, yeah yeah rip yeah, dial, Ripper dial. But, which is crazy it was a time where you actually had to meet people face to face too which we can talk so much about how screens had played a big part into you know this anxiousness and, and loneliness epidemic that yeah. seems to be taking over this next generation of leaders
1: yeah absolutely and if, if I was to characterize um, kind of the, the phrases, the, we look at those generations and the way in which we approach the world has obviously been complicated over time mm. um, with, kind of, you said the rise of technology and we're kind of living in the, the technology and the intellectual and the information and it's age. A fast rate of change. Yeah, absolutely. Change is happening all around. And, and it's really interesting because it, there is a, a distinction. As we move toward from on from the builders towards the back end of those five generations, yep. the millennials and the and the Gen Zers, mm. which is what we kind of really want to talk about um, today, and look at the idea of how do we, if we're millennials and Gen Zers in that bracket, how do we develop resilience? Mm. But also, if you're a leader who's leading uh, millennials and Gen Zers, how yes. do you help them develop resilience? Good, like because it. the kind of the Tim Elmore. Uh, he's a, he's a, a doctor, mm-hmm. um, Dr. Tim Elmore in the United States. He does a lot of research on the young people. And his, his phrase that he uh, sort of talks about with millennials is the kind of catch cr- cry of the millennials is, I'm large and in charge. Mm,
0: that's their voice.
1: Yep. I'm large and in charge. Millennials were raised by parents who always told them, you can be whatever you want to be. Uh, you can do whatever you want to do. And so they kind of have this idea like, hey, I'm large. I'm in charge. Mm. I'm really here. I'm going to go get her, um, start to move that forward. But you contrast that to what he describes as the the catch cry of Generation Z, which is I'm coping and I'm hoping. I'm coping and I'm hoping the world is happening to me, but I'm hoping it, it, it gets better. I feel overwhelmed. I feel anxious. I'm coping, mm. but I'm maybe hoping that, that, that there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. And even before we recorded the show, you were sharing with me what, what you kind of called trouble talk. Mm. And you were saying that, yeah, do you want to just yeah elaborate? Well, just, just this
0: trouble talk that I hear in, in working with young people for the short amount of time that I have, but in a school context as well um, as a youth chaplain, this trouble talk of just hearing uh, kind of young people together and one of them saying, you know, this is everything I'm experiencing right now. Mm. This is how Mm. my anxiety is affecting me even though the student may not actually, or young person may not actually be medically kind of diagnosed for anxiety. Identifying themselves as not just anxious but as having anxiety, which Mm. is so big. And then with that voice, their own voice and this narrative that they've kind of written for themselves and told themselves, bringing it into circles of people, yeah. uh, where the person next to them is trying to play off uh, being a victim just as much as them. Yeah, um, And all yep. of a sudden, we have this trouble talk going where it's not a matter of actually hearing each other out. It's not transparency. Mm-hmm. It's not vulnerability. It's not honesty. Yeah. Um, it's more so this time of Trouble Talk where we're trying to compete with the other person yeah. uh, and, and almost make ourselves out like so, more of a victim. It's this drama circle where so, there's yeah. no rescuer that comes in. Everyone just gets caught in this this kind of heated mess. So uh, it's really one-upsmanship
1: one mm. when it comes to uh, my situation's worse than yours. And, and I'm doing a better job of coping because my, my, my reality and my relationships and everything that's going on is far worse than what's going on with mm. the person in front of me. Which, how... How are you ever meant to break
0: out of that cycle, or that circle, if those are the voices that are around you as well?
1: I really couldn't tricky. agree more. And and what we want to talk about today, particularly, is the idea that resiliency is actually a muscle that we build. Mm. Um, you notice, like, when um, if you've ever seen, uh, maybe you have you have children, or you've got some friends who have children, or you're just in a in a church setting where you're working with kids, is yep. you notice that when toddlers are learning to walk. Or when babies are learning to walk, uh, when they fall down, they jump straight back up mm. again. Yeah, they're just always looking for, like they, they can they fall over, bounce. Yeah, yeah, they do. And so resiliency is something that we naturally have, mm. but we don't. We're not ever really taught how to build it, mm. and uh, we're never taught how to strengthen that muscle. And so as as time goes on, we and if we don't develop it, we can really find ourselves in a in a bit of a challenging situation, and uh, with kind of some of that learned helplessness yes. going on. Yep. And um, there was a really alarming kind of um, comment mm. by uh, a psychiatrist in oh, the States. This is a
0: stat that you, yeah.
1: Yeah. So his name's Dr. Robert Leahy, if yeah. anyone wants to um, look him up. Leahy, L E A H Y. Groovy way of spelling it. Yeah, right. really groovy. But this is what he said. He said the average high school kid today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the early 1950s which I just find I just find astounding mm. to hear that and if it's factual like that just breaks your heart as well like where well it's it's devastating for for the for millennials and for Gen Zers, and and I really do feel um that this this is not this conversation is not designed to sort of point the finger and say hey mm. you should suck it up and you need mm. to get over it. this is a conversation to say hey You know the environments that we've been raised in, and uh, the world that we're living in is not um, this. It shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be that you know this. The average person is experiencing that level of anxiety, and and we can do some things to address that. I Mm. believe Mm. Uh, no. And this is when I really value our educators as well. Oh, absolutely. I, I know
0: we're, we're talking to Aussie church leaders out mm, there too, but mm. the leadership of educators and, you know, in yep. the, the challenges that they're facing and, and the issues that young people are facing to, today uh, to have this voice of reason almost or someone who's wanting to point them uh, to strategies to help them build resilience is, is such a big thing too. I, oh. I know at the same time, we can't control how young people engage or at least Gen Z uh, kind of engage with uh, what's going on in the culture around them as well, Mm, the culture that mm. they're immersed within, uh, particularly when it comes to things like music and, and everything like that. Yeah.
1: Music is one of these interesting things Mm. because music does two things. Um, first of all, it reflects culture, Mm -hmm. but then it also directs it. Mm. So music is kind of like this, this thing where, um, it'll reflect oftentimes what people are feeling and how they're going through life, but then it will also set the trajectory for how they are to respond or, or kind of the path moving forward. And, um, I grew up in the um, in the nineteen nineties, and and you might not, um, great times. Yeah, so you might not know what I'm about to what what I'm about to say. No. But for p- kids who grew up in the nineties, they would have known this thing on Saturday morning and Sunday morning. This mm-hmm. thing called Rage.
0: Oh, Rage! No, I you do know it. a little bit of Rage. Yeah, okay. I'm familiar. Yeah, I know right. who S Club Seven are <laughs> and everyone. I don't even think they were the nineties, but yeah, Rage. yeah.
1: yeah so Rage that was, was the thing, was it? That was yeah, a big well, there's well, this TV. Yeah, it was essentially this programming that went for like... For, I think it started at 5 a.m. and yeah, went through to wow. like 9. But in kind of the back hour, it had, I think it'd count you down like the top 20, the mm-hmm. top 10 music videos. Yep. And when, what you saw in the um, the late 90s and the early 2000s were these really energetic uh lots of you know that was like the time of the boy bands and your s club sevens oh. and your Sync and your backstreet boys but also times. um chris brown you know um r&b and mm, yep. b songs yep. and uh but songs that were like people dancing in the street people um shouting getting excited like even i think of the black eyed peas song like yeah. let's get it started yep. really high energy just all the funk all the E-H funk. funk yep yep, yep. Don't funk with my heart, like all those good songs, that are just high energy. Um, wh- whereas you kind of compare yeah, that feel goods Yeah, they were feel good songs. You felt inspired. You felt energized when you listened to them. And and now fast forward, nearly nearly twenty years from the late nineties, early two thousands to now, uh, we, we've got songs that um, like Nash. So Nash is a, he's got a little bit of a cult following. Well, a little bit more than a cult. He's got nearly two million followers on youtube he's doing well yeah nash Nash. is doing well for himself but nash has this song called pajamas Mm -hmm. um and and the lyrics the lyrics say this it it says let's watch tv with the sound off because the news is always bad let's be immature and ignorant because i don't like being sad i wonder if the last generation was better i wonder if the next one's going to hell and it's really just this and obviously, you know different genres have different takes, but it's kind of this really sort of, um, hey things are like we're not coping well with the world and the world is not a great place, and we're just gonna hide away because it's better it's better to hide away than it is to engage yeah. with the world. Yep. And even we were listening to um the new song by the Chainsmokers smokers mm. um just before we we got into. Into record this episode, um, and it's with a couple of other artists, like uh, I think Elenium. I don't know how you pronounce it, and uh, and another singer. And the song is called Takeaway. And essentially, the main thrust of that song is, uh, w- you know, we're dating and we're getting to a point where potentially it could be serious. Mm. But what I'm going to do is, um, I could see this getting really serious, but I don't want you to break my heart if it does. So I'm going to break your heart first. Yeah, and it's funny because in this song we even saw it in
0: the video like yeah. of the song where he's up in a helicopter she's standing on top of this big kind of infrastructure yep. and there's this big gap between them as they're kind of trying to figure out their own issues between one another but the uh-huh. whole time they're never really together it's always this this space and this real pushback of, which yeah. I understand these are just lyrics and songs but it's also a voice that's within the ears Of young
1: people. Yeah. And I think these songs kind of reflect where we're at as a culture. Like, um, you know, I'm coping and I'm hoping and I'm really keeping my distance and I'm staying away. And uh, we just want to help people navigate this cultural landscape that we we find ourselves um, in. Because it's really uh, a little bit of a victim mentality, I would say. Mm. Mm. And it's this idea of, you know, I'm a victim and we know from scripture, I mean, Romans talks about it, that we are more than conquerors in Christ, mm-hmm. that we don't have to have a victim mentality, not because of who we are, but because of who our faith is in. Yep. And that with with Jesus and with that relationship with Jesus, um, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can actually be conquerors. And <laughs> while I was... Um, while I was actually in Europe, I was mm. reading through Acts and it was it, even I, as I was reading through that, you see how the New Testament church really kind of understood this. And it was just almost second nature because in Acts, uh, and Acts five verse 41, it says the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace mm. for the name of Jesus. Mm. So it's this idea that they were actually excited that they got to suffer. And they were excited that things weren't going their Mm. way because of who they were suffering for. Which is just an almost
0: polar opposite approach of of what we've been talking about. Exactly. And
1: this is is not just like one isolated incident. Like um, in the book of James, in James 1, 2 to 3, like I'm sure most leaders, uh, most of our leaders would know this verse. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, James writes, when troubles of any kind come your way consider it an opportunity for great joy Mm. if you run into troubles rejoice about it and he says for you know that when your faith is tested your endurance has a chance to grow so let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed you will be perfect and complete needing nothing Mm. so there's this theme that that the new testament church really embraced some of the challenges and the struggles and the suffering uh, that perhaps what we're seeing at the moment is our culture really does struggle to embrace in the same way. Mm. So with this teaching and, and
0: everything that we're talking about as well and mm. the, the truth we get from scripture to yeah I'm just thinking how do we actually go about exercising this as a muscle like how do we actually look at resilience as something that we can grow
1: in? Yeah, well, I wa- let me set the scene first well, and then like we'll look it. at some applications. Because To set the scene, mm. now, now, I'm not a psychologist and I don't claim to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but... Mm. Um, just slippers, just pink slippers, everyone. Just pink slippers. That's the best I've got for you. Um, but but psychologists and psychiatrists have talked about these. Um, this idea of locus of control. And there's two locus of control that they've talked about. Mm. The first one uh, is an external locus and the second one is an internal locus. So I'll explain what, what these two are. The mm-hmm. first... Um, the external locus of control is people who believe that fate or external forces control the outcome of their lives. Right. So these are sort of people that, that will say, well, the reason that I, I didn't get a good grade is because of the teacher. Mm. It, it's because of the teacher. It's yep. got nothing to do with the work effort. It's got nothing to do with any of that. The teacher didn't really like me. My internet went out. <clears throat> it's um, not on me. Yes. The, the the criteria sheet didn't clearly explain what was going on, so there's no possible way that I could have done anything. Mm-hmm. It's, it really is a little bit of a victim mentality, yeah. and like and it's that's not the, my fault. That's the external. That's, external. that's external. Yeah. So internal locus of control is people who believe they are responsible and in control for their success. Mm. So take take the example we used just before. That would be someone who'd say, "Well, you know, I didn't get the mark that I wanted on that exam." And that's really on me because perhaps I didn't do all the required reading, mm. perhaps I didn't take as the opportunity to go and speak to my teacher and have them clarify it for yep. me. Perhaps I didn't submit a draft mm. on time. And so they they take um, ownership of um, of where the control is in their lives. And those with an internal locus of control, um, really interesting um, psychologists have found, actually take better care of their health, actually take better care of their finances. And money too. Yeah. Mm. Really, really interesting. And they have stronger friendships and marriages and relationships in general. So, what that research tells us is that the greater your locus of internal control, the more resilient you'll be. Mm. So if you can take the the emphasis away from what you can't control and b- bring it under focus on what you can control, yep. you will begin to develop and grow mm. that resilience muscle.
0: Which is interesting in itself. <clears throat> Even jumping back just to scripture as well. Yep. At the same time, like it seems like the actual state of anxiousness that we we end up in sometimes, and mm. what we're talking mm-hmm. around. Uh, even within culture, too, is this fear of losing control over something that can make us feel so anxious, too. Mm. Whereas when we look at scripture and who God has called us to be as disciples, he, he talks about self-control. Not yes. to have control over every aspect of your life, which triggers us to yeah. you know, yep. feel so anxious and so out of whack. But he asks of us to have
1: self-control, too. And that that's such a good observation that, that you've made. Because even when we look at um, like what James said and, and what the apostles were working through in Acts, it seems really, really clear that they recognized that God was in control of the external locus. Yep. They really trusted that God was going to take care of the circumstances and the situations mm-hmm. around them. Um, and, that, and their responsibility was to control, like you said, have that self-control, control the things that only they can control. Now in reality right for, for us right now obviously there's always a little bit of a balance because yeah. there are there are some legitimate things that we cannot control that will impact our lives mm-hmm. you know um, if someone runs a red light we we can't control that if the light's green and we're trying to move through and there there are lots of things that we just can't control but our focus have to has to shift away uh, to move towards the things we can mm. control mm. so with Some of those things then, or even once again,
0: as we're talking about Mm. growing in resilience, almost like exercising it as a muscle, Yep. some application points, how can we go about it?
1: Yeah. So there's a number of application points that I want to talk about. And these are all focused around developing that internal locus of control. So building Mm. that um, um, resilience muscle. The first one uh, is this memorizing and saying scripture out loud. Okay. Memorize and saying scripture out loud. And this is essentially, you know, we know from scripture that um, the enemy is the father of lies. Mm. And so often what the enemy will do is get us to try and put it on that external focus out there. But what we want to do is remind ourselves of the truth of God's word Mm. that, hey, no, I am more than a conqueror in Christ. You know, I do not have a spirit of fear or timidity, but of courage and of power. And so The more and more we can can immerse ourselves in scripture and know God's word, the greater opportunity it will be for us to kind of remind ourselves of the truth of God's word in those moments when we're tempted to shift from that internal to external Mm. locus of control. Mm. So memorizing scripture. Yeah, and that might just be simply grabbing a few key verses that you really think speak into your situation yep. at the moment, whether that's a psalm or whether that's something from the Old Testament or something you know in the New Testament, um, just grabbing a hold of something like that. And you know that when you start to feel um, those emotions or you start to think that way and you're tempted to shift it outside, just reminding yourself of the truth of God's Word. Mm. So that's, a, that's the first one. That's a good one. Hmm. Second one I would say is disconnect what you're feeling from who you are. Mm. Disconnect what you're feeling from who you are. Okay. Walk me through that. Yeah. Something I hear a lot and well actually you and I were talking about it even before we recorded the show is something we hear a lot with young people and young leaders in the church is this idea that I'm anxious. Mm. I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. And that sort of language really says that what's going on is happening to me and they begin to identify with that with that feeling and with that emotion. Mm. And what we need to do is actually add another word in there. And the word is feeling. And so say, I'm feeling anxious. Mm. I'm feeling stressed. Mm. I'm feeling overwhelmed. Just the same as we would say, I'm feeling happy. Yeah. Because now it's created a disconnect and it said, Hey, well, well, this is an emotion that I'm feeling, but I don't have to feel that way. I can begin to address why I'm feeling that way. And, and, perhaps um, the negative thinking patterns that I have, or if there's an instance that's happened throughout the day that has led me to feel this way. Now, now we can begin to address mm. why it is we're feeling the way that we are. And that puts the locus of control back on us. Yep.
0: That's when we go back to internal. Yeah, Shifts, shifts
1: it away. Yep. Yeah. As opposed to, Oh, it's something that's happening out there. Mm, yeah. Cause I think when we hear, you know, I am anxious, it does, it
0: becomes a part of our identity. It's something that we can cling on to really quickly. We almost like join with it. It becomes who we are. Uh, so to- all our feelings, our thinking as well, behavior uh, can be used as almost like a, a cop out for why we make a mistake or why we don't feel good enough. And we just sit in this spot of always feeling the pressure to do more, but we mm-hmm. tell ourselves there's, there's no need to do mm-hmm. more enough because this is who I am. This is not just what I'm feeling. This is what I identify as. I'm feeling like I'm either, you know, lonely, depressed, have anxiety, yeah, all correct. this language around it,
1: Correct. Really strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think... There's a third thing we can do is actually focus on our progress. So oftentimes when we're not maybe moving as far forward at the speed that we would like to, whether that's um, in kids ministry or some of the goals that we have, Mm. or maybe it's to do with the amount of people in your small group or the amount of people coming to your church, or perhaps you're sitting at a board level. So you're looking at the financial sustainability and you've got a church plant and time's running out. Um, what we can tend to do is just focus on everything that isn't working and focus mm. on this like, oh, well, I'm, I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not moving forward. And what we begin to do is uh, when someone feels hopeless, mm. oftentimes they'll begin to act helpless. Mm. And I say, well, there is no hope. Therefore, I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And if we do this enough, this actually develops um, something called learned helplessness. Mm-hmm. So the moment that something becomes difficult what we condition ourselves to do is goes well, I'm hopeless. Mm. Sorry, I'm helpless. I couldn't possibly achieve that. Couldn't possibly move this forward. Instead, what we want to do is move from learned helplessness to learned industriousness. Yeah. And the way that we do that is uh, look at and highlight the progress that we've made, no matter how small. Yeah. Look at the progress that we're, we're, we're building, no matter how small. So if mm. something's not moving forward and perhaps uh, <clears throat> maybe you wanted to Uh, have more people in your connect group Mm -hmm. look and you're kind of like, well, we wanted 12, but we've only got 10 people in our connect group um, this year. We'll say, Hey, Mm -hmm. Hey, look at the fact that we've got 10 people. Mm -hmm. Look at the progress that we've made. Maybe look at the way that God is transforming and changing the lives of the people in our group. too, being
0: thankful for it. Yeah.
1: And what's, what's crazy Mm -hmm. is that when people begin to see even the smallest progress, if people can see a little small piece of progress, they'll exert even more effort mm. and they'll put in even more effort. Which in the long run is when we're actually exercising
0: the muscle as well to yeah. grow in resilience too. Because yep. from what I know through youth work kind of mm. ways to immersion therapy being something that when it comes to someone who is anxious, mm-hmm. it's actually putting them in a situation or circumstance where they're able to experience that, that sense of anxiousness a little bit, yep. but they're able are able to overcome it through a challenge, um, Talking it through, even in a flying yeah. fox context in, yeah. a, in a youth camp, yep. you know, maybe for some people going all the way up to the top of the ladder is, is too much for them, let alone going down. Yep. So maybe it just might be inviting someone to go five rungs up the ladder and yep. slowly increasing each time they go on camp until they get through the top. So yeah. It's that small amount of effort that's actually exercising the muscle yeah. right, and, and moving them and towards results. You've
1: highlighted a really important point there is just this learned industrious thing doesn't make things easier easier no okay sometimes we kind of have this idea that oh well if i if i do this loan industrious thing, mm. then things will be easier yep. feel easier no things will still be challenging but you'll be able to put out more effort because you're focusing on progress as opposed to um as opposed to everything that isn't mm. there's going to be
0: discomfort yeah for the person regardless but the growth out of it yeah, your, absolutely.
1: And yeah. athletes do this all the time in training. Um, you'll notice particularly, um, in, well, let's focus on endurance sports. You'll notice that um, a lot of endurance athletes will say, well, I'm just got to focus on the next kilometer. Yep. And that's all they'll do. They won't worry if they're running a marathon or a half marathon or 10 kilometers. They won't focus on kilometer eight or nine. They'll mm. just focus, I've done one. Mm. Okay, now it's time to do two. Now it's time to do three. And that's how, um, how in the athletic realm, they develop industriousness and how we can begin to, uh, learn from that and uh, focus on progress and move him forward. Uh, I know, Chris, we're looking at this idea. You know, it's, it's actually really hard to
0: try and understand what someone's thinking or what someone's feeling and, mm-hmm. and why they're behaving the way they are or acting out the way they are That's or true. not getting back to your emails or, you know, your messages and all the rest um, when we don't actually know what's going on for them. So I, I guess mm-hmm. for, you know, for someone who's um, maybe we see as someone who needs to grow in resilience in some yeah. way. What's the path we can point them towards where they can do that alongside people and learn more about themselves, learn more about others, but also just learn more about who God's really called them to be?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of ways. Well, I've called this kind of application point SeekWise counsel, mm-hmm. but really a better way to kind of make it not so Christianese would be to get a coach or a mentor. Yeah, Get a coach or a mentor particularly when you're serving in a ministry context, if you're under a pastor, if you lead a team, there can be this real tendency to embrace this whole imposter syndrome Mm. and kind of continue to portray the image of who you want people to think you are, not who you actually are. And that can then kind of lead to this whole numbing of feelings because we don't, we don't like the way we're feeling. So we try to numb our feelings and we do that by like just scrolling social media or watching YouTube or hiding in Netflix. Oh yeah. Mm. You know, stranger things, new season is done like in a day. Yep. That's just hiding. And so uh, I would say get a coach or a mentor and, you can people can disagree with me. I would say if you can find find a leader, maybe uh, if you have access to counseling facilities, someone mm. that you can pay, that you can go to, mm. and that you can say, "Hey, I, I really want you specifically to talk about my leadership and yep. grow me as a leader, grow me as a person." And I know that you are going to give me honest, mm-hmm. direct feedback that's going to help me embrace who I am. Yeah. Some people, and maybe in some denominations, there's perhaps groups where you can go to where it's just uh, pastors in a specific age group Mm -hmm. or maybe it's leaders in a a specific age group, kids ministry, youth ministry, meetups around the area and you can connect with other leaders so you don't have to necessarily be an imposter with them because you don't have for whatever reason, you don't have to portray an image with that mm. group of leaders. You can be honest. You can talk about your challenges. You can talk about your struggles, but I think paying someone um, is, is a great way to be able to do that. Cause you know that the feedback you're getting from them is honest. It's, it's to the point. Mm. And so I think that can really help you develop that resiliency muscle. Cause you're inviting it in. You're saying, yeah. Hey, I know there's areas I got to grow. Help me find out what yeah, they are.
0: I think, particularly when you put that value down with your finances as well. That's mm. when you're saying to yourself, no, I wanna take the steps forward now. Like I'm expecting some type of outcome here where I'm gonna be growing out of it. Um, so it's a terrific pass, path to take. At the same time, coach or mentor, someone that's gonna you know, not have that, that bias towards your feelings outright, but more so just be really honest
1: with you. And it's someone who's removed from the situation. Mm, Oftentimes, if we get a coach or a mentor or a friend who's involved and knows the ministry context that we're in, sometimes they can lean towards telling you what you want to hear, not Mm. necessarily what you need to hear. And so by paying someone outside or getting someone who's objective, it allows you to to become a better leader and most importantly, develop that resilience muscle that we want people to develop. So going from a coach or a mentor,
0: I guess putting it back on ourselves or Mm. even back on the the leader um, and how we can
1: best support them what can the individual do what can we do on a personal level yeah the big thing is to take ownership Um, this is kind of like the final application point is is to take ownership if I could give sort of a a little bit of an analogy is we want to move from being a passenger in the car Mm -hmm. to driving the car. Mm. See, when you're a driver that you have to take ownership, you have to take responsibility. You have to say, Hey, it's my responsibility. I need to know where we're going. I need to make sure there's petrol in the car. I need to make sure that the, the tires are pumped up and we need to, to, and you just think in a different way as to when you're a passenger, when you're a passenger, it's kind of, it's always like, Oh, well that's, that's the other leaders. That's the driver's job and that's their responsibility. It's not really on me to Mm -hmm. pay attention or to know anything. Mm -hmm. um, But that's really, and so if you're a young leader, particularly, It's important, I think, to move from a passenger mentality, which says, well, if something didn't get done, that's my leader's fault and that's my leader's job and that's it, there's, it's always my yeah. pastor's job. We go job. external like, yeah. control again. to like. actually say, you know what, if, if I've been tasked with the responsibility to lead a particular team or lead a particular area, I need to be a driver, mm. which means if I don't feel like I have enough information or enough support, I need to talk about that. I need yep. to let people know. But I need to ask specifically for the support that I need to move forward, mm. and if you're leading younger leaders, a great way that you can help them take ownership is to actually say, "Hey, I'm for you, but I'm not going to do it for you. Mm. I'm 100 behind you. I'll support you wherever you need. I will be there to pick up the phone, to have the conversation, mm. to take you out to coffee, to help you make the plan. But ultimately, I'm not. I can't do it for you." Mm.
0: I'm not going to take you over the line with me over your shoulder. Yeah, head.
1: I can't. I can't do it for you because I actually want you to, to develop resilience and I mm. want you to grow as a leader. And if we're always doing it for other leaders, they'll never develop yeah, that resilience. Well, that's that rescuer
0: approach as well. Which- yeah. When you are playing in that triangle of, you know, rescuer and victim Mm -hmm. or more so just that back and forth between rescuing someone and that victim mentality, like that person is not growing and not moving or pushing towards growing in resilience. They're going to stay in that, that victim mentality as well. And we're not helping them grow uh, in terms of of growing with an internal locus
1: of control either. Um, Absolutely. and That's something I've noticed even in my own leadership uh, that that's a real focus area for me is to help other leaders around me begin to take more ownership. Uh, and to realize, hey, I'll, I'm for you and I'll help you as much as I can, but I, I can't do it for you. Because when I do, it actually removes the ability for leaders around me to develop resilience. And that's that's not a great thing. Mm. So, yeah. So, how would you kind of sum
0: this up for? Listen, I'm going to talk about something that we talk about a fair bit mm. as well. Because it's something we see in ourselves yeah. in our leadership too. For the perfectionists out there, Chris. Yeah. How do we go about leading them well, rec- through growing in Well, I
1: recognize that perfectionists, they're hearing us say these things, particularly around that idea of taking ownership. And the first thing that comes through their head is, yeah, that'll cause a mess though. Yes. Because it won't be done the way I want, Hoo-hoo. when I want it. They're not going to follow yeah. up with me exactly when I need them to do. Uh, yeah. And and one thing I would, I would say, if you're a perfectionist in listening to this, right? This process sounds messy to you and it doesn't sound fun because you like everything in its neat little box. Mm-hmm. The reality is it is a messy process yep. and working with leaders is messy. But here's, here's a question I would ask you if you're a, a perfectionist and you're pushing back against allowing people to take ownership. Um, what do you value more? Do you value more the here and now or do you value more growth and progress? Because if you want growth and progress... What you need to, you will need to create a little bit of mess along the way. Mm. And if you want leaders to grow in resilience in the long term, you have to be okay with a little bit of mess in the here and now as they begin to grow and develop that resiliency muscle. So, for perfectionists, I would say take the emphasis off yourself, put it onto the leader, and say, what does this leader need to set them up for great long term success? And sometimes that's a little bit of mess. Progress trumps perfection.
0: Exactly. Progress trumps perfection. And I think the thing I'm most thankful for in being a follower of Jesus as well, and, and in the leadership context too, um, is just knowing that God never called us to perform, even when he wrote himself into history. He so actually true. wrote himself in to be present. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's not about performance at times. It's actually about being present with people, which in a leadership context, like we're talking about, whether we are a coach or a mentor to someone else, leading alongside of someone, uh, leading someone being present with someone, actually being vulnerable about the things that we're experiencing, you know, those thoughts where it's black and white in our own head, we're catastrophizing things, we're overgeneralizing or we are in a conversation with someone who's doing that as well in those moments, actually just focusing on on being present uh, and and being vulnerable, yes, but not getting caught up on on the performance side of it, which perfection can drive
1: so much of as
0: well when we feel like we're losing control over the future.
1: That's so true and perhaps a way that Uh, perfectionists can grow in resilience is to to recognize and realize constantly that Christ was there for us when we didn't have it all together. Mm. So we need to be there and support our leaders if we want to model the way that Jesus loved when they're not doing things perhaps to the way that we want them or the the expectations that we have, we still need to support them through that messy progress. Mm. And what a good model we have to point back to as well in Jesus an emotionally <laughs> healthy leader. A very emotionally healthy leader. Some could say the most emotionally healthy leader we've ever had. <laughs> I'd say
0: yes to you. Well, Chris, maybe before we do our recap, we can yeah. jump into that part of our episode where we, um, yeah. we check out our little resource for the episode. Our yeah. little book article, little
1: podcast. Yeah. Anything up your sleeve this week? Yeah. Well, uh, there's a great book, actually. I've been recommending to a whole heap of people. I recommended it to you, too, mm-hmm. just because I've been on that recommendation you know, train. that recommendation. The training. Bible the bible yeah. um no this, no not this week no, not, not this, this week, week. <laughs> we're assuming that everyone, One week we we'll, yep we're assuming that if you're if you're listening to the Aussie church you've leaders podcast it. maybe A you've read bit. it or you're reading it yeah uh, this but neat. this one this Pretty month popular. is called the gift of being yourself mm. by david benner
0: yes this is good yeah. Like, did I tell you there was a night last week where I was at home mm. right up until late at night on Kurong trying to find this book. Right. Because I just typed in the gift, because that's all I could remember you told okay. me the title was of. And I'm like, I've got to find it. Because you kept talking it up. And I came up with like the gift of um the gift of prophecy, the gift of, you know, relational leadership, the gift of marriage, the gift of being a good mum. And I'm like, the gift of being a No, that's not the one Chris was talking about. I couldn't find it anywhere. But this is it. It's the gift the of the
1: gift of being yourself. The gift of
0: being by yourself by David Benner. David it- Benner. Good author.
1: It's a, it's a really too? is that I'm actually not sure. No. I'm not sure.
0: He's got a cool background. I remember having a having Right, a So you've still yes, you've oh, still our leaders this. can figure out. I'm very um, excited.
1: Yeah, I know. I know for sure he's a theologian. Maybe he's a, a psychologist mm. too. But the the entire book is really. Uh, it's a very short read. You can knock it over in one sitting, um, in a couple of hours. But really. All this book is about uh, getting honest with yourself and getting honest with God. Mm. And so it looks at some really practical ways that you can learn to get a a more realistic sense of who you are as a person and the way that God views you. And so if if you're a leader and uh, you want to develop resilience, I would say read this book. But also if you want to become a more emotionally healthy leader, I would say read this book as well. Mm. It's a good go-to.
0: Excuse <laughs> me. just we've been drinking sparkling water all episode because since Chris has come back from Europe, we're now on um what is this Pellegrino? Pellegrino. Spoke yeah. bought Pellegrino from the local Costco. So
1: I have. So sorry we're, about that. We're yeah. Sipping away
0: and sparkling. No, yeah. no apologies, man. Chris, <laughs> we weren't in Europe with you. <laughs> pink slippers on the show. So good. Well, hey, let's let's go back through and just recap.
1: Um, maybe some of our big points uh, from episode ten today. Yeah, well, well, what we really want to do with resilience is help uh, our leaders and ourselves develop that resiliency muscle. And the best way to do that is to shift the locus of control Mm. from external to internal. Focus on the fact that we are responsible and we are in control of things that are going on in our life. And so really quickly, the five ways that we talked about doing that was to memorize scripture and say Mm -hmm. it aloud. So we speak truth into the circumstances of our lives, um, to disconnect what we're feeling from who we are Mm. and to start to say, Hey, instead of I'm anxious, I'm overwhelmed to begin to say, I'm feeling anxious. Mm. I'm feeling overwhelmed. Third thing is to focus on progress. People uh, who focus on even see the smallest progress will exert more effort. Fourth one was to get a coach or a mentor Mm. to break down that imposter syndrome, to invite feedback in so we can um, begin to move uh, and develop that uh, resilience muscle. And the final one is to take ownership take ownership. Um, if you're a leader and you lead a team of uh, younger leaders to give others ownership to say, I can't do it for you, but I am for you. And if you are a leader who struggles with the resilience to picture yourself as a driver in the car, not a passenger to recognize that there are certain things you do have control over and that you can begin to control as the driver of that car. Love it. So yeah, yeah, that was a
0: fun episode ten.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited for what's next. What a time we are too, and you can
0: join us for episode eleven, uh, whenever you'd like. Actually, we're well, not whenever you'd like. Next next Come, month comes first out of the Tuesday first Tuesday next over, month. Yeah, that's yeah. when you can keep an eye. But out the for
1: easiest it. way you can um follow along is to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening it on, and it will be right there in your inbox on the first Tuesday of every month. Every time. How good. And at the same time, we'd love to hear
0: uh, what our Aussie Church leaders uh, are keen on talking about as mm. well, whether it's topics uh, that are popping up within leadership in your church context, ministry context, whatever that looks like, uh, we'd love to hear from you too. And there's a couple of ways that you can go about uh, engaging with us.
1: Yeah, I think the easiest way is to... Go to our website. Well, maybe not the easiest, but one of the two ways is to go to our website, hmm. www.beyondchurch.com.au and click on the Aussie Church Leaders tab right there and you can uh, let us know your situation, let us know uh, something you'd like us to talk about and we'll bring that up. The other way is to just connect with us on social media because we are both pretty active, particularly on Instagram. Mm. And you can find That's me. That's
0: a good go-to. He's yep. a
1: good go-to. Yeah, my, my handle's um, at Chris Podlick. Yep. So you can just find me there. And yeah. what, what's your handle? Well, check out. make sure you check out Chris's because he looks
0: super tanned and his latest photos (laughs) as well. Um, Post being on holidays. Mine is at Riley
1: Connor Brown. Yes.
0: R-E-I-L-L-Y. The Irish spelling. Excellent. The Irish spelling. Gaelic Gaelic background. That is
1: the best way to to get a hold of you and to uh, continue this conversation outside of here. Good go too. We'd love uh, to keep in touch with you. Uh, But as always... Yeah, you don't have to do everything today. But you can do one thing today that will help you lead stronger for longer tomorrow in your ministry context. Excited to see you for our next episode.